Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. And welcome back. I am here with Lou Serafini. Lou, thanks for joining in today. Yeah, thank you for having me. For sure. So let's start it off with uh, with the million dollar question: Who is Lou? Um, I guess uh, yeah, that's a, obviously a tough one to to, to kick <laughs> off. Um, yeah, I would say I've I've probably um, evolved a bit. Uh, college people probably know me as like a very serious runner, uh, and then kind of post collegiately, uh, I feel like it took me a long time to come into my own. But now um, I feel like I'm just someone who likes likes running and likes to um get the community together as much as possible um and help others kind of like find the joy in running uh and then in my downtime i love cooking and drinking beer and hanging out with gabby so that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell that's the dream right all yeah. the the running the life the the social stuff yeah um and you've got a you're running a pretty awesome um Running, your running is pretty awesome, and then outside of that, you're running a pretty awesome uh, store over there at Tracksmith. So let's talk. Let's first talk about that. How how do you balance the running work with the work work? Uh, it's challenging for sure. Um, I'm very lucky. Uh, that I've I found a place that supports everything that I do with running, um, and the two jobs definitely kind of feed off of each other. Uh, we obviously have a really vibrant running community over at Tracksmith, and um, you know it makes it really easy for me to to go out and do what I need to do from a training perspective. Um, you know, for example, like one of the biggest days of the week for me uh, when I'm not behind the laptop is is leading our group long run Boston Marathon training, and you know we get over a hundred people show up for that every Sunday, but I can still go out and get my long run in that day. So, um, there's a lot of flexibility where I can kind of get out and do what I need to do, but also kind of check the things off the list that I need to get done at work. So, um, pretty grateful that they've given me the, the flexibility to, to do both. So cool. And, and you're not just, you know, out there puttering along with your long runs. I see your, you know, six flats and six Oh fives and, and all that for, for 20 miles. Um, I think a lot of the people listening to this podcast probably, and myself included, can't comprehend what it's like to run that fast for that far. So let's talk about the progression to getting up to that speed. What did it look like over the last, I don't know, 10 years to get to a point where you can, you know, run 20 miles in two hours? Yeah. Um, well, it definitely takes time. I mean, people talk about being like a student of the marathon and, and learning how to train for the marathon and race the marathon. Um, my earliest memories of doing 20 mile long runs was when I first graduated from college. I was, uh, it was, I was about one year out and I was training for the Vermont city marathon and, uh, we would always go out and like hammer our long run super hard in college, you know, 545 to 615 pace. But those were like, 14, 15 mile runs. Yep. And I definitely have some, some early memories of, uh, getting to that, like, you know, 16, 17, 18 mile mark and, and kind of hitting the wall and having to kind of jog it in. So, um, not every week's like a six minute pace, 20 miler, but it, it's more just about like 
measuring your expectations and listening to your body. So, you know, the long run is a big focus of my training. So usually I'll go into it feeling pretty fresh and just kind of ready to let it rip a little bit. Uh, but there's also definitely a lot of weeks where I go out and I run seven minute pace or even seven fifteen pace for a long run, just cause like my body's just tired and sore and you know, that's kind of the deal. So, uh, the miles have kind of stacked up over the years and, uh, it's gotten easier and easier to kind of progress down to that pace. I mean, there's plenty of guys out there that run faster than me for their long runs. I think everyone's a little bit different. Um, and you need to figure out like what works for you and what doesn't. So I know plenty of guys, local guys that go out and, um, the long run is not as much of a focus. They just go and get out and run time on their feet and they're running just as fast for their marathons so cool yeah it's definitely a puzzle and figuring out the pieces that work for you um let's talk about the you mentioned the community aspect and helping other people get out there and and such how how have you come to the place you're at with your role at tracksmith was that what you were hired for is that what you've sort of built for yourself so i think um well and I'm, and first can you do a little explanation of of tracksmith yeah, sure. So, um, so quick explanation of Tracksmith. Uh, we're a New England-based running apparel brand uh, specializing in trying to just fit all the needs that runners have. So um, really, you know, staying away from cutting corners and delivering the best possible product that we can put out there. Um, you know, for example, we have uh, racing shorts that have three pockets in the back that are perfect size for carrying goose. Uh, so like small, we try to find those small problems and, and deliver like an excellent a plus product, um, for our customers, uh, while also keeping a very like timeless aesthetic. So the gear that we put out is not super flashy. Um, it's meant to be worn for a long time, uh, which is why it's a little bit more of a premium brand. You know, if you buy something from Tracksmith, the expectation is that you'll hopefully have it for many, many years. Um, but anyway, I, I mean, I always say I got, I got really lucky, um, with Tracksmith. They, they reached out to me and I, I felt offered me a position that was, you know, pretty much tailor made to, to fit my strengths. Like it, it wasn't, I wasn't really sure the direction that my career was going to go. I had a lot of experience working in the run specialty industry and, and managing, uh, retail stores and, and working with, you know, runners. And I was starting to build up my coaching resume a little bit and, uh, Tracksmith when they were first getting off the ground, um, you know, did a lot of Boston Marathon pop-ups before pop-ups were really right. a thing. Now everyone's popping up everywhere. Um, and and I think Tracksmith is one of the first brands to kind of get in on that. And uh, about three years ago now, uh, they decided to go all in and get a retail space for the Boston Marathon. So they opened in April and then about a month or two later reached out to me uh, and were basically just like, yeah, we've got this store in Boston now. We need to start a running community. Uh, we need to get the store up off the ground. Uh, we need someone to manage the store and build a running community. So that's kind of where I fell in. So it's been a really fun um, journey the past three years, just just building that running community up from the ground and, and trying to give it a heart. Um, it's, it's cool. Cause, cause 
Tracksmith is a pretty young brand. So uh, the people that wear it just have that sense of community and sense of pride in, in the clothing that they're wearing. Um, I still feel it every day I go out and run on the river and I see someone wearing Tracksmith. Uh, a lot of times I recognize them, but a lot of times I don't. And it's it's still feel it's not the same as like if you're wearing a Nike singlet and you see there's a million other people that are wearing a Nike singlet. Um, it's cool to go out on the river and, and see the other people that are kind of representing the brand. So um so yeah, it's been fun. And then about a year ago, I, I transitioned away from doing um, a lot of the retail related things so I could focus on bigger picture community stuff. So um, activating outside of Boston and, and just trying to have um, a little more flexibility to, to work on bigger picture things. So. Cool. Yeah, and it's been awesome what, what has um, developed within that facility itself. I mean, Wellness Emotion is now in there and you guys have a ton of events. We here at Inside Tracker, we've hosted some events with you guys, and it's it's cool how it's become just a a hub of running uh, for the city, and it's like a central like, hey, where are we gonna go? We're gonna go to Tracksmith. Um, so what what's the vision that you have for for that community role? Um, well, I mean, maybe a better way to answer is just the, the vision for the track house is is kind of like what you just said. You know, we want it. it it's really cool to see. Um, Matt's vision for for the running community, you know, it's obviously not a revenue driver, right. you know, but he is just like committed to uh, having a really vibrant running community, not just in Boston, but globally. And, and obviously starts in Boston. Um, so I think the vision for the track house is like exactly what you just said, right? Like, it's the place to be if you're a runner in Boston, you know, the place to come get a coffee or go, go for a run. You know, we have lockers so you can drop a bag, uh, the place to come watch diamond league or the Olympics. We always have track on TV, all those things, um, or place to go get PT. We've been really lucky to have wellness in motion. So or all burritos those... when falls in town. What's that? Or burritos when falls <laughs> yeah, in town. Here. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and who knows like what, uh, what, elements there are going to evolve um you know we are always trying to improve and, and be better so um right now the big thing for me is just like how do we continue to establish that reputation in the city uh, as the place to be um so i'm working hard to do that every day uh, i would love i mean it's unclear like how my role and as community person is going to evolve because i think we had to have to wait and see you know how the brand expands, uh, you know, will we end up in different cities? Um, you know, we just launched a hair AC program last year, um, where people can be a little bit more, um, in touch with the brand, you know, you get a singlet, you can earn a PR bonus, uh, early access to product, those things. We have to wait and see how that program kind of grows and expands. Um, we're trying to uh, find more ways to get ambassadors involved with the program. Um, we, we launched our first ambassador program for the Olympic trials this year. So there's, there's a lot of like moving pieces that are really exciting and get me excited. So um, it's one of the fun things about, as you know, like working at a startup, right. you know, there's never a dull moment and um, you know, we'll, we'll keep cranking and see how that kind of develops. Cool. So you mentioned the trials. Let's shift gears a little bit. Um, you are running in about a month or so now down in Atlanta. Um, what are you, what are you most excited about for that day? Let's, let's start there. Um, I would say, well, first of all, I'm really excited to be able to share, uh, the experience with Gabby. Uh, my girlfriend also qualified, um, at the Philly marathon. So it, I mean, that's going to be special to, to go down with her and, um, 
you know, it's, it's always nice when Gabby and I are running the same race. Cause it, it just feels like it, she, she's laid back. I'm not. Uh, and it, it takes a lot of the pressure off of me. I feel like her being laid back helps me feel a little bit more laid back. Um, so our families will be down there. It should be, it should be fun. A lot of our friends are coming as well. So I'm excited for that. Um, I'm also just excited to go down there and I, I don't want to use the word like redeem myself because, uh, or the expression I should say, because I'm not, I don't have, I don't have anything to prove necessarily, but, um, I dropped out of the trials in LA. Um, I was a lot younger and a lot less experience at the distance. And all I knew going into that race was that I was super fit. And all I could think about was flat course, fast people equals fast time. And it was a hot day and I overcooked it and, uh, had to walk it in and that was tough. And, um, I'll never forget like the feeling of, being at the finish line and seeing all the finishers with their medals, uh, never before wanted a medal, uh, after a race until the Olympic trials in LA. So, um, you know, I've been telling people all along and it hasn't changed. My number one goal is to cross the finish line. Get a medal. Yeah. And I know that that, that might sound a little silly for someone who's an an elite marathoner and is trying to go and compete and be up in the front. Um, but yeah, like at the end of the day, like, whatever it takes to cross the finish line that that's the first goal so i'm excited about that uh and you and i chatted with it about it off the air but um there's some people going down it's it's going to be really cool yeah. uh there's going to be a lot of people in atlanta atlanta track club i think has done an incredible job of uh uniting the running community um you can tell how much they care about this race so i think it's going to be a really fantastic weekend and i'm just excited to be a part of it Cool. So noon start, uh, end of February in Atlanta. Hopefully it won't be as hot as LA. Uh, I went for a run with, with our friend Seth Waltz that morning at about 10 o'clock that day. And we were like, we did 10 miles. And I was like, how the hell are people going to run a marathon in this? Um, so hopefully you don't have that experience again. Um, but it's a little hilly. So functionally, being here in Boston, Boston's not you know, a flat city like a Chicago or a Miami or whatnot. Um, how are you using the geography of what we have around us uh, to your advantage where some other people might not have that? Um, probably not using it enough. <laughs> um, we're over in Somerville now, so it's it's a little less hilly uh, on that side of the river. I used to live over in Brighton, so I think if I was there, I would be doing every single run out and back on Com Ave probably. Yep. Um, I've done a couple tempos out on the Boston marathon course. We're really lucky. I think that it seems like the Newton Hills kind of like really simulate the Atlanta course quite a bit. Um, I've got a pretty laid back coach that's very go with the flow. And I don't think thinks about those things. I think his philosophy is more like get as fit as possible. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You just get super fit and then you can just, as long as you run a smart race, you can take whatever the course throws at you. But I'm definitely over the next five weeks going to try to, um, do as many of my long runs as possible out and back on the course. Um, I've probably got a couple, we do a tempo run that starts at, mile 17 of the Boston marathon course and finishes up around the reservoir. So it's a rolling hill tempo. Nice. I'll probably try to do that another like couple times before the trials. So there's a couple of key workouts that we kind of have, um, lined up. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice. Like 
we were pretty lucky in Boston. I feel like there's a million and one good places to run. And especially this time of year, if you, you know better than anyone, if you go out on the Boston Marathon right. course on a Saturday or Sunday, <laughs> it's a party out yeah, there. you're not running a straight line. Right. <laughs> you're, you're weaving in yeah. and out because there's hundred, maybe thousands of people uh, every Saturday and every Sunday out there. So it's cool. And it's cool to have that sense of community. Like all these people are out training for the Boston Marathon and, and it's good to know that you're not alone. So Yeah, it's super cool. I was out there on Saturday with some friends and um, we saw all the, uh, the Dream Far runners. So the, all the ones that are wearing the orange t-shirts. And my understanding is that they're all students who are training for a marathon, which is like such a cool concept. And, and last year I remember running next to or running alongside some of these groups and I would overhear their conversations like, Oh, I can't ima-, like earlier in the season, like I can't imagine running 12 miles. And then the next week I can't imagine running 14 miles. And that number just kept building up and then they were out running 20 miles. Yeah. And these are kids that had never done it before. And it's really cool to, to share the same space might not be running the same paces as them, but, um, they're doing it too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I mean, come across so many unique stories in the past seven years or so, just working in the running community for people training for Boston. I mean, we used to get people come in like signed up for the marathon and have not run more than a 5k, you know, it's, it's crazy, but like, I I still tell people like anyone can do a marathon. You just gotta be consistent and like, you focus on just doing one good long run each week and staying healthy. You'll probably get there. Definitely. So, yeah. So why'd you do your first? Oh, um, that's a fun story. Um, I had no intention. So I, you have to back up a little bit to senior year. I had a, a pretty bad knee injury um, that was just kind of keeping me from competing. Uh, and I also just, I don't know, I four years of college where I didn't improve that much. I was really frustrated, wasn't enjoying the sport, which is why like, I really preach like finding joy now because I've been at my low uh, and I know what it feels like. And if you're not enjoying it, what's the point you got to keep looking for the things that spark that joy so I graduated and I was like pretty much sure I was never gonna run ever again I was I mean I knew I would run but I was like yeah I'm not gonna race like I'm probably not gonna run as fast as I ran in college like it's not as fun for me but basically what happened was I uh, fast forward from spring to winter uh all I was doing for running was maybe like couple eight mile runs a week three or four days a week i'd go out and run for an hour and um i had a college teammate who was training for the boston marathon and he started to like basically drag me on his long runs uh so i was now doing like three or four eight mile runs still no workouts but then on the weekend i'd go out and do like a 16 mile or an 18 miler with this guy to just kind of help him train for boston and i there was a couple long runs where like maybe we like finished like an 18 miler around six minute pace or something like that and it started to get me thinking like what could I run in for a marathon? Like I've always been pretty good at long runs. I've always been pretty strong at the end of them. Um, And one thing that I did want to do, you know, before I hung up my shoes forever was run Boston. Um, So I was like, you know what? Let's, I've been doing all these long runs. I might as well sign up for a marathon and get a BQ. And um, so I signed up for Vermont City. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I ran the first half in 70 minutes and the second half in 86 minutes, <laughs> 85 minutes. Uh, I had a, a couple 
bad miles and cramped up a lot. I didn't take any fuel. I didn't think I needed to. In the marathon? And I just didn't think we never took fuel in college for <laughs> long runs. So I was like, yeah, like diluted Gatorade. Like we, <laughs> I got my own bottles and I just filled all of them with diluted Gatorade because I was like, that's probably all <laughs> like I'm going to need. 100 calories yeah, in the marathon. Yeah. And then someone tossed me like a vanilla goo at like mile 19 and I caught it and ate it and that was the only gel that I had. Oh, God. And I walked mile 24 and limped it in. But... um but yeah, I got my BQ and then I trained for Boston the following year, like added in some workouts, did regular mileage. You had in gels or anything? What's it? Oh yeah. <laughs> after that race, I was like, I did something wrong in the fueling department. How um, did you feel after that race? I depleted. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It was hard. I had to drive home from Burlington and I was like really nervous that I was going to like cramp up at the wheel because yeah. like, it's like a four hour drive right. back to Boston. Um, but anyway, yeah, like, I mean, I caught the bug after that. I just, I did more mileage when I trained for Boston the following year than I ever did before. And the fitness was coming and I was fitter than I ever was in college and the times were faster. And I just, from there I was hooked again. So do you think that that break you took was critical? Um, or do you think that break is why you're still running today? Yes, in certain... Yeah, I mean, I think that there could have been a scenario where I didn't take a break and I would still be where I am. But the bigger thing for me was like, I needed to take a step back, so a break, um, just to kind of like be able to tell myself that like, this is not your entire life. Right. There are other things that you can focus on, like your friends, your family, your work. Like there are so many other things that you have going on. Uh, it doesn't just have to be running. And then once I started to like find other people uh, that had the same goals as me and were just kind of like helping me find the joy in it, that was when it really kind of like took off for me. So cool. What are you thinking about on the start line? In general or yeah. in Atlanta? Uh, let's start with in general. Um, so it depends on the race for sure. Uh, usually I'm just trying to be as calm as possible on the starting line, uh, and, and just focused on whatever my race plan is and what I want to do. Uh, I try to be as just like clear minded as possible. Um, so I can just like approach the race, uh, with the best mindset and, and go attack and, and do what I need to do. Um, and it'll be pretty similar to Atlanta, but I think in Atlanta, I will be repeating to myself the mantra, uh, go out conservatively, go out slow. Um, similar if anyone followed me for New York, that was, that was my thing that like really helped me run a complete marathon. And I know like I've been to one Olympic trials now. I know how it's going to be. Like everyone's going to get out there on the starting line and tell themselves they're in the best shape of my life. A lot of the people that I'll be racing with, are going to think that they have a shot to make the team because there's not like a clear top three this year. So there's a lot of like quote unquote dark horses in the field. So I, in Atlanta, I'm going to just going to be telling myself like you know you just do your thing it's a tough course it's probably going to be a little warm everyone's going to be pressing and you'll you'll pass a whole lot of people in the last 10k so i think that's a good plan but easier said than done. yeah didn't you uh didn't you put out put out something for new york saying if you see me running faster than something tell me to slow down yeah i just said if you see me in brooklyn just tell me to slow down. Um, <laughs> nice. And no matter how fast. It, and it worked. It was crazy. I never like 
I don't know. I just didn't know that many people followed me um, or like actually read the things that I post. Yeah. Because I must have gotten like two cheers every mile for me to slow down. And it worked. Like I would just smile and wave and like I sometimes know the person, but a lot of times not. I even had a water, someone hand me my water bottle and told me to slow down. It was so <laughs> cool. Um, and it worked really well. There was like a lot of breaks. I was running with a pack of like four guys and there were like probably two or three separate moments where they would start to kind of accelerate and move away. And I just let them go and just kept doing my thing. And every single time they came right back to me. Um, and I just had a lot more left in the tank. I, I think if I could have done something differently, I would have held back even more for the next I, around 16, I got a little bit antsy um, and and then kind of let the race, you know, excite me a little bit too much. And if I could have held back for a few more miles, I think I could have really lit it up the last five. But um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it worked. The secret to a good marathon is like just being patient. Halfway is 20, you know? Yep. So if we see you out on the first loop, slow down. That's and, the, the, and the second loop. And the second loop. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, the course is set up in a way where you really can just like chill for two laps and then let it rip on the third lap. And I think if anyone, there, but there'll be a couple guys that probably shoot their shot a little bit early, and um, I think they'll probably pay for it. So, so if we see you on that last lap, what do you want to hear? Um, well, if I'm dying, uh, hang in there, <laughs> finish. Uh, or something, something along those lines, like uh, get a medal. I think would be would be a motivating cheer for me to hear if I'm if I'm dying. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, I think if it's um, if I'm feeling good, just like the usual stuff. Just uh, you're almost there. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I think one thing that's going to be helpful for for me in the third lap too, if I'm feeling good, is just. It's a huge field. Um, I'm not expecting to be someone who's up in the top 10 competing. Um, I, I think I'm more going to be like top 40, top 50. And I think there's going to be a lot of people to be passed. So just like reminding myself that like even if I, you know, I'm not going top speed um, or not passing people, you know, every minute, there's a lot of people in the race that could come back and every place is, is important. So um, like a great day for me would be to finish in the top 20. I, that would be really cool. And um, that's, that's kind of my goal. So we'll see. Cool. So you're putting up a lot of miles. Uh, you have to sort of know why you're doing it right so what's what is it that when you're getting out for that second run or you're getting out um when it's cold or dark or you know when you don't necessarily want to what's what's keeping you going um fear that my competitors are working harder than me (laughs) uh no i don't know um it's it's funny like I don't even run the most at my company you know there's two other guys that three other guys well, two other guys that have qualified for trials and then a third guy that does more mileage than me. So Yeah, I love the tweets um, like how you know you work at a fitness company. <laughs> I know. I feel like I could like really take those to the next level too. There's this guy, Jason, that he lives in Philly, so he works remotely, but he's like a, the biggest mileage hog. Um, but yeah, there's days where I'll come in and I'll be like, yeah, I ran 15 miles this morning. And I'll look over at Jeff and I'll be like, oh, nice. I did an 18 mile workout. <laughs> or I'll pull up Strava and I'll be like, oh, Jeff outran me again today. And and thank God Jason's not on Strava because he probably did too. Um, 
but yeah, no, I don't know. I, um, I have become a big proponent of keeping the miles quality, um, and not doing too many junk miles. Um, when I was coaching myself and when I went to trials in 2016, I actually used to do like even more than I do now. Like right now I kind of hover in like the 95 to 110 range, depending on the week. But back in the day I would do like 120, 130. It was like the more, the better. Um, and now I, I really try to like make speed an, an important component to my training. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I don't think about it too, too much. It's just like something that I have to go do. And I'm, I'm, pretty gabby will not listen to this i don't have to worry about it uh because she'll say that this is completely false but i think i'm pretty good at listening to my body like if i if i don't want to go double i won't go double um or if i feel like i need a day off i'll take a day off uh those days don't come around that often because i i really do enjoy getting out for more miles Mm -hmm. and and running um but i am pretty good about just like keeping the quality days quality so Cool. The the other good thing is like the motivating thing is I have a lot of people to run with. I'm I'm very lucky because um, I I've surrounded myself with a community of people that are are running all the time. So um, you know nine out of ten times if I if I want to find someone to run with I can. But there was like there are those tough nights. Like I had one run. It was last Thursday. I had to run. I didn't do my first run until noon because I was just exhausted and I just couldn't get out the door. Uh, so that meant I had to do my, I usually try to get my double in while there's daylight because I have that flexibility in my day. Um, but I I had to wait a couple more hours and I didn't start my run until 530 and I just was struggling to get out the door and I just couldn't, couldn't hit start on the watch and it was dark, but it ended up being a great run. Like it was a beautiful night in Boston. It's been a really mild winter. There was no wind. Uh, the city was nice and the river was calm. So, um, sometimes the runs that, you really don't want to do end up being the best ones. So there's another thing that I've kind of learned over the years. For so. sure. So you mentioned days off. Um, Tracksmith has the no days off calendar. Um, I didn't like it at first because I think I misinterpreted it, as did maybe a few other people. Um, do you want to explain that and, and sort of go into what, what that means? Yeah, the I think this the spirit of no days off, the thing that you probably thought and a lot of people don't get is like we're not putting out that calendar and saying like by accepting this calendar <laughs> take a day off. Yeah, you are supposed to run every single day. It's it's more just like the spirit of of doing something every day. Um like for me, like I took today I took today off. I take several Mondays off. Um usually at least two a month if not three or four and um you know, it's, it's more about just like doing something, you know, like go do core or, uh, ride your bike to work or something that, um, you know, you wouldn't normally do on your, on your active day or, you know, take a day off and don't do anything. Like maybe your body needs to recover. Um, but it's a cool way to kind of track, track what you're doing and, and your week to week. We get so many submissions, um, at the end of the year of like pictures of completed calendars. And it's really cool. Like, I think one of the great things about the NDO calendar is there are different, you, you can interpret it many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we get some people that take it so literally and they're like, I ran 365 days last year. And we're like, that's great. Good for you. Like 
That's now an incredible feat. None of us could never do that. Yeah, exactly. And then we get some people that send us these calendars and they have notes written in them and they've circled days that they took off or like wrote in specific workouts. And it's really cool to see um, people document their training and like we, we've done a similar, we do with the local program on Sundays for people training for Boston. And what we've done for that is a, um, a runner's passport and it looks just like a passport and you can go in and, uh, write notes after your long run each day. And, and some people have already done the same thing where they've just, they've really interpreted it in different ways and, and wrote really cool things. One of our employees is using it and he actually did like an elevation profile of all of his long oh, runs, cool. like traced into his path. It's pretty cool. So, um, it's fun just getting all those submissions and, and seeing, um, you know, how people interpret it differently. But me personally, I used to run, you know, for months and months on end without a day off. And I am the biggest believer in the world that a day off a week is huge mentally and physically. For so, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be in the same boat for a couple of years. I didn't, it was like, uh, one day off a month and I was running, I don't know, 45 miles a week and yeah. taking one day off in the month yeah. and I was injured every three months. So like yeah. I wasn't putting up massive mileage and doing that. It was just like, not sustainable for yeah. the the base that I had and now I'm doing 65 to 75 with one day off a week mm -hmm. and just like I feel way better than ever before yeah it's 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 quality over quantity right. it's the biggest mistake people make um you don't have to be a beginner to make the mistake a lot of really experienced right. runners make the same mistake but I, I use Gabby as an example for this all the time but I coach a lot of people and you know when I first started coaching Gabby, she was always hurt. And finally I was like, all right, you know what? Like we're just going to do five days a week. You don't need to run six or seven days a week. Just take two days off every Monday, every Thursday. You can cross train if you want, or you don't have to. And she was consistently healthy for two training cycles, you know, ran huge PRs. And now she's up to, she's graduated to six days a week. But, um, but yeah, like you, at the end of the day, like your quality, your quality days are the ones where you make your gains, you know, your two workouts in your long run. Who cares if you're, if you're, you know, jogging 30 minutes or riding the bike or right. just sleeping an extra hour. Um, you just need to listen to what your body's asking for. So. For sure. So the goal of this podcast is exploring the why of what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. And I love sort of exploring that and and figuring out what makes people tick and there seems to be a pretty consistent trend across people who are running at an elite level or a level that you're at um so what what is it for you that that keeps you going what is the trend well i'll tell you afterwards um <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not uh qualifying for the olympics um <laughs> or uh or even the world championships or u.s championships um i kind of i think my Elite running philosophy has been, you know, as long as I continue to improve, I'll continue to do it. Um, the past four years, five, actually, I should say the past six years, I've been very fortunate. Uh, each year, I've been able to go out and set new PRs and, and new personal bests and continue to, my coach would say, keep keep raising the bar mm -hmm. um, is a mantra that he often repeats to me. Um but yeah, I mean, the reason that I'm motivated is I just, I don't know, I, I'm part of this huge community of runners and uh, they motivate me because they're going out and doing these incredible things. And I really believe that running is all relative. Um, I get so many people that come up and they're like, oh, like I could never 
run as fast as you do or do what you do. And I'm like, yes, you can. Well, that and also just like, I'm not the fastest person in the world. Right. Like there's thousands of people that are faster than me at the marathon distance alone. And it's all relative. I think it's, it's so cool to that anyone can go out and be like, Hey, here's my goal. I'm going to go try to achieve it yeah. in running. It's, it's, it's totally a universal sport, you know, whether it's to complete a 5k or to break four hours in a marathon or run a BQ, like there are so many things and it's so relatable. So for me, it's just like, I feed off of that. Like, I think it's so cool to like show, I, I don't know. I've been leading this Tuesday morning workout at the Harvard indoor track and, um, this guy who's in his 60s, he's the 60-plus um, American record holder in the road mile. It's like a 5'10 road miler. And That's this guy's cool. out running like 31-second 200s at 6 a.m. on Tuesday mornings. I'm like, if this guy can do That's it, like, so can I. Yeah. yeah, like it's pretty cool. Um so, so, yeah, I think that's the big thing for me. There's so many motivators in my life. And I know I'm going to wake up one day and, and I'm not going to, like, have the itch to, like, go take it to the next level. But I think I'm going to be someone that runs forever. And my goals when I'm 48 are going to be a lot different than when I'm 28, you know. Uh, and that's the great thing about the sport. Right. Your goals can change. Uh, I don't know if you follow um, Craig Lutz at all, but he yeah. did, he's doing this thing where, like, like he was a professional runner and he had all these incredible PRs. And I think he recently came out and said something along the lines of like, well, I'm not going to get those PRs anymore. So these are my new PRs yeah. and I'm going to try to tackle them. And like, they're probably in some cases like more than like his 5k is probably two minutes, three minutes slower than what it used to be. But that's cool. Like you can, you can kind of take anything in this sport and make it a goal and try to achieve that goal. So, and then, and then if I, <laughs> if I am so fortunate to ever make a team or do something like that, then it'll just kind of happen on its own, I think. So cool. Yeah, I think that's right in line with what a lot of people have shared. It's very much about the journey and who you share it with versus like a an outcome. And if you're focused on the outcome, it's pretty anticlimactic when when you actually achieve it, whether it's in running or life or whatever in general. Um that was like the biggest shift that I had with the coach I'm working with now. And it's, it's just like, if you love the process and you love the day in and day out, sure, there are some days that are going to suck or you're not going to feel good or whatever. But from a growth standpoint, there's no better way to improve and get to these tangible goals than exactly how you described. Yeah. Yeah. It's super important. Um, just opening yourself up to as many like positive opportunities yeah. as possible helps you kind of get through it. For so. sure. What are you scared of? Um, uh, what do you, what do you mean? Can you just in general, just in general, I really don't like spiders. Uh, <laughs> I love, I love where people go with this. Some people get like really in depth and like others like snakes or spiders. Yeah. I think, I don't think I, I haven't encountered as many snakes, but I don't <laughs> like if a snake was in my bedroom, I don't think I would You'd do move. very well with that. Yeah. I've, I could. Yeah. Um, what else? I don't know. Uh, I'm afraid of, if we, we can take it back to running a little bit, but I'm afraid of injury. Uh, I've never really been hurt. Knock on wood. Um, you know, I, I work with a lot of people that get injured and I, I see how hard it is on them. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, what I'm afraid of, uh, desk jobs. Uh, <laughs> <just> <laughs> I work at a desk almost every day now, actually, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you do to help prevent injury? 
Uh, I think I'm really good at listening to my body. Um, and, and what does that mean for just, you? Just giving it rest when it's asking for rest, uh, whether it's a day off or, or whatever it is. Um, I also just, I'm incredibly fortunate. I, I think some people have fragile bones. Um, and I'm not one of those people up to this point. I've also gotten, I spent a lot of time working at running stores and I've gotten really good about changing my running shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think some people like, I've met people that like take pride in running in their shoes for a long time. Yeah, I don't like, get that. Yeah, me either. Cause it's like the, the shoe is only designed to last three to 500 miles. Yeah. Like, I mean, I see people bragging, oh, I put a thousand miles or 1400 miles on these shoes. It's like, you're gonna put a a tear in your in your legs or uh, yeah. breaking your bones. It's it's so much impact when you think about it. Like it's every single step right. is is greater impact than it needs to be. Like if you run on a, a brand new pair of shoes versus a pair that has two hundred miles on it, you notice a difference. Right. So I've gotten really good about that. Like I um I'm not someone who has a, a shoe deal. Like I will go out and and spend money on shoes because I know how important it is. I think that that's a one of the simplest ways that I've been able to stay healthy. Uh, I have uh, successfully combated plantar fasciitis for seven years by wearing Birkenstocks very frequently. Another quick and easy tip. Uh, if you have plantar fasciitis, go buy a pair of Birks. Uh, no shame in wearing Birks with socks in the winter. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I don't know. My I've also kind of identified my main problem area, which is my calves. Um, so I, I'm pretty good about using the roll recovery roller um every night um i wish i was better about it but um just taking care of the areas that you know kind of like causes you pain cool i'm glad you mentioned it the shoes what what's your take on the shoes in atlanta um it's an interesting debate right like um I think for me, uh, I just kind of want to be on the same level playing field as everyone else. And I think everyone probably has the same answer. I would love to be the person that that's going to be like, oh, I'm going to take a stand um, and, and you know, wear an old school flat. But I think, you know, the game has been changed a little bit. Like uh, they obviously make a huge difference in, uh, in terms of cushion and in terms of responsiveness. Um so yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky one. Like I'll follow whatever like the rules and regulations are once IAAF makes like a ruling on it, obviously. Um, and that'll be totally fine. I'll go, go back to running and, and whatever. I don't have like a huge preference, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I've gotten a chance to wear the new Saucony shoe. It's nice. Like it's, it's really nice. Um, so I'm interested to see the other ones that the other shoe brands come out with. Uh, I think most of them are supposed to come out in the spring. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What do what are your thoughts? What are my thoughts? Um, I think it's much of the same. It's like you saw on social media, a lot of people like with the, with the backlash against Nike and talking, you know, Hey, vote with your dollars. But you look at CIM Houston and it's pink and green all over for, for everyone up front. Yeah. And, um, I got a real taste for how, truly how different the shoe is at pace a couple of weeks ago i was running a tempo um in the middle of my long run i normally i ran a marathon in in the four percents and i ran a 10k in the four percents but i had never gone under six minute pace and i was rolling 540 i was like this is a different shoe like this is an entirely different shoe at this pace and it is and and the way that the the shoe is designed it actually is and 
Yeah, it, I think it's the same thing. I think if you're in contention up at the front, you're there are a couple of pros that have said this, like you're doing yourself a disservice in placement if you're not giving yourself every advantage that's technically legal. Yeah, and then at the on the other side of the coin, though, we could be in a scenario where, you know, the majority of both Olympic teams are not Nike athletes. Right. Uh, Jared Ward, uh, Scott Fobble is Hoka. Jared Ward, Saucony. Uh, Parker Stinson is Saucony. There's yep. a couple of those fast Saucony guys. I'm probably forgetting some people on the men's side. And then the women's side, you have Dez. You have Emma Bates is Asics. And Dez is Brooks. So, Sarah like, Hall. Sarah Hall is Asics. So... Yeah, so it's interesting, like, you know, we have all these people that are kind of like, you know, the 90% of the field that that don't have shoe brands and qualify with next percents, but then you have this top tier, and it's a little bit more kind of jumbled together, so um, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Um, I'm, I'm definitely curious to see what happens. I will say we've got nine women that are on our tracksmith boston team that have qualified and a couple of them are are not going to wear next percents just because of the whole nike backlash and i think Mm -hmm. that that's awesome um so i i and i think you know i i don't know i like to think that it would not make that big of a difference you know you wear the saucony shoe versus the the nike shoe like it's probably not going to make a huge difference. You still need to go out and put in the work <laughs> and the training. Yeah. And run a smart race. Right. Like there's like a million things that kind of come into play. So, um, so yeah. Cool. Where can we follow you on social media? Um, so I'm at Lou Serafini one on Instagram. Uh, I have a slightly more dormant Twitter account that I occasionally use and I'm just going to double check <laughs> my, a handle there uh new york was the first time i like had someone i have like a lot of a lot of instagram followers but not that many twitter followers and some guy came up to me and was like waiting in line to get into the tracks and pop up and he was like i follow you on twitter and i was like why do you follow me on twitter (laughs) um but now i've like i've got a little bit of a following i think my humor is not where it needs to be uh more a sincere content guy uh i'm at lewis serafini on twitter so just my name and then instagram is lou serafini one but cool yeah well thanks for joining in today and we'll see you in atlanta and we'll and if you see lou out there tell him to slow down perfect thanks for having me on (laughs) of course that's it for today's episode like many long runs it's sad when it has to end i hope you join in next week on for the long run and in the meantime happy trails If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.